As you may already know, the Brazilian Report is funded by subscriptions and support from loyal readers. And besides subscribing to our website and getting exclusive daily content on Brazil and Latin America, you can also treat our staff to one to five cups of coffee a month. In return, you get exclusive benefits like special newsletters, behind-the-scenes content, as well as a shout-out here on our podcast. And today, I want to thank our Buy Me A Coffee members, Luis Hans, Fabrício Ferreira, Felipe Saito, José Rose Stankovic, Gabriela Graf Innes, Emerging Market Muser, Yarden Iftar, Tonica Thompson, Anderson da Silva, Kat Kramer, Fra, Peter Suffering, Anna Lund, and someone who chose to remain anonymous. And if you are like them and believe in the importance of independent journalism, and also if you want to hear your name on our podcast, just head over to buymeacoffee.com slash brazilianreport and subscribe to one of the membership tiers. If you cannot make a monthly committed, that's okay because you can still tip us a cup of coffee every now and then to give us the energy boost we need to cover a country as complex as Brazil and a region as complex as Latin America, and every support you can give us is much appreciated. Just go to buymeacoffee.com slash brazilianreport to find out more. Much has been said about the threats Jair Bolsonaro poses to Brazilian democracy and the risks around the 2022 election. When talking about the possibility of the far-right president trying to overturn the election, discussions usually center around how he might do it. But this week, however, we want to have a different discussion. If he really pulls that trigger, no matter how he does it, then what? Who's gonna stop him? And how? My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. To discuss how the Brazilian political system may react to a coup attempt of any sorts, we talk to Felipe Campanti, an associate professor at the Johns Hopkins University School of Advanced International Studies. His research looks at what constrains politicians and policymakers beyond the formal checks and balances. Things like cultural norms, institutions, the media, and political protests. Here's our conversation, which is also available on YouTube if you want it with images. The Brazilian elections are less than two weeks away, and President Jair Bolsonaro continues to hint that he will challenge the results if they don't go his way. So if Bolsonaro does carry out that threat and tries to overthrow the Brazilian election, then what happens next? That's what we will discuss this week on The Brazilian Report. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, I'm the editor-in-chief of The Brazilian Report, and I'm glad to be joined this week by Felipe Campanti, a professor at Johns Hopkins University. Felipe, welcome back. Thanks for joining us again. Always a pleasure. So, Felipe, uh, just 
for people who are not following the Brazilian election as closely as we both are, uh, I would like just to do a quick recap. Um, so what we have right now is a, a scenario of stable polling data. Uh, pres President Jair Bolsonaro is, has for months polled between the low and the mid-30s, and former President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva has for almost a year now polled uh, between the low 40s and the mid 40s. And some uh, polling institutes say that he could pull off a first round landslide. So in Brazil, if nobody gets more than 50% of the votes in the first round, then the two best voted ones qualify for a runoff. We may not even have that runoff this time around, depending on... Um, whether we, if the the polling day, the, the confidence interval goes one way or the other. Um, and one piece of data that it has been key to understanding this race is Bolsonaro's rejection, rejection rates, which have been higher than any other president trying to go for re-election, even though uh, the, the sample size is not that big. He is just the fourth president trying to get a, a second consecutive term. Uh, why is Bolsonaro's rejection rate so high, in your opinion? Well, I think uh, uh, it has to do with his uh, uh, governing style, uh, his, his political style more generally, right, which is uh, playing to the extremes, right? And that's that's one side of it. And the other is, is, is just his uh, uh, inability or unwillingness to to properly govern, right? So his uh, political style is one uh, that, you know, not unlike a lot of uh, his um, authoritarian populist brethren, uh, is, is kind of uh, uh, um, averse to the work of governing itself, right? So I think that shows in, uh, you know, how his government has handled some of the, 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 the crisis situations that have occurred during his term most notably the, the, the COVID pandemic. Uh, so that there's, there's that governing aspect of it, but also I think his, his style, uh, which again is one of, uh, uh, sort of stoking, uh, the, 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 the fire of polarization and kind of trying to, to, uh, create a permanent, uh, 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 sort of emergency situation, if you will. Right. So Bolsonaro is uh, the kind of politician who cannot, uh, uh, thrive under normal circumstances, right? He's way too out there uh, to be kind of a viable politician if things are normal. So he has to 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 double down uh, uh, on creating uh, uh, sort of an abnormal situation where he can then position himself as being, you know, the lesser of two evils or something like that, right? If you were in a situation where people were choosing between sort of a, like normal politicians in a normal environment, he would, he, he would have no shot, right? Now, because of these two things, his aversion and inability to govern and his style uh, uh, that always seeks uh, uh, to, to, to foster polarization, I think is rather unsurprising that he has the rejection rates that he has. It's just part and parcel of the political creature that he is. And, and, and in that sense, I think it's not surprising at all. I think uh, uh, people... Uh, the, or, or those uh, uh, of us who had been uh, kind of always speculating about whether he would moderate or not, I think that was a misguided uh, 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 sort of speculation driven by comparisons with what 
or normal politicians would do in his situation. But he's not a normal politician. He doesn't behave like one. He cannot behave like one because he doesn't have the, 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 the tools to do that. And the, the, the natural outcome is one where there is strong polarization and uh, his high rejection rates are, are just a part of that. But would you uh, agree that uh, if his main challenger were not Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, who has uh, been at the center of every presidential race in democratic times, either on the ballot or with the two front runners, either defending or bashing his legacy, maybe Bolsonaro would be the front runner in this election because... Uh, for all the problems with Bolsonaro, the Bolsonaro administration that you have listed, um, the opposition hasn't done that much over the past four years. So uh, remember, we at the Brazilian Report, before Lula entered, was made eligible for office again. Uh, the base scenario for us was Bolsonaro, maybe the favorite to win re-election against an opposition in tatters. Yeah, I think it's true. Uh, uh, I think uh, Lula is definitely uh, the strongest available candidate, right? Uh, with all the baggage that he has, precisely because he has been at the center of Brazilian politics for, for such a long time, uh, it is the case that he is sort of the, 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 the person who has, so sort of who commands uh, 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 the strongest support uh, amongst or the, the, the politicians that are kind of in the Brazilian scene right now. So that's one that's one thing. Uh, now, I do agree that uh, as a result of that, like in Lula's absence, Bolsonaro, in spite of all the, <laughs> that we said before, uh, would have been uh, quite likely in a strong position. First, because as you mentioned, Brazilian presidents uh, have or have had a strong incumbency advantage, right? And, and Bolsonaro has really uh, uh, took, Has, has really taken down to that to another level, right? As in, uh, uh, you know, basically uh, overcoming all the guard the guardrails that exist in Brazilian politics to sort of try and prevent the the use of what we would call in Brazil the the machinery, right, of the of the government to favor uh, you know the incumbent president in this case. So he's really really uh, doubled down on that. Uh, so there's that incumbency advantage. But also, I think like his uh, um, political strategy, if you may call it that, and it might just be kind of an intuitive strategy. We don't need to get into like the, the the workings of Bolsonaro's mind. Is one that is effective at that, right? So, so if you if you just look back at 2018, he took advantage of a situation where the the political establishment was in disarray, and he managed to position himself as the alternative to the left and particularly the PT, which, you know, had a lot of baggage from the, from its time in government and so on. And I think he would have been in a good position to pull off the same trick this time around, right? So he's managed to be, I think, quite effective in, in completely uh, taking all the oxygen out of the, of the, of the right end of the political spectrum, right? Going from the center right all the way to the, to the far right, which uh, uh, is, is what he occupies. But he's been very effective precisely at creating that situation where uh, uh, other alternatives, you know, could not emerge uh, 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 on that end of the spectrum. And he would have been in a good position to, to be, again, the anti-PT, right? Uh, and as we all know, uh, the PT as a party is not as 
strong electorally as Lula himself is. So I think in Lula's mm -hmm. absence, Bolsonaro would have been in a in a strong position, as you put it, in spite of uh, all that's happened, uh, you know, over the last uh, nearly four years. Yeah, and I mean, he still commands one third of the electorate. So it, it, it's quite impressive given the, um, the, 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 the failure that has been his administration many ways in terms of uh, health policies, environmental policies, uh, the, the economic crisis that we have endured this past couple of years with the COVID recession, then we have inflation staying for uh, over 10% for a year. Uh, I mean, it's, it's quite impressive, his endurance, given all that. Now, uh, despite this strength that Bolsonaro still has, the polls say he will lose the election whether on October the 2nd in the first round or on October the 30th, uh, the runoff election. And Bolsonaro, for more than a year, has tried to sow distrust in Brazil's electoral system. He has uh, raised allegations uh, that the system could be rigged. We have a 100% electronic voting system. Now, this system has never faced credible fraud allegations. Bolsonaro himself has already said uh, verbatim that he didn't have evidence of any possible way that the system could be rigged. And still, he's trying to instill in his voters the sentiment that uh, the only way he could lose is if the election is stolen from him. And he has, in this past week or so, given mixed signals about how he may react to defeat. So he was talking to evangelical podcasters a few days ago, and he said that if, uh, if it's not in God's will for him to win a second term, he would retreat from public life. Then this weekend, he was speaking to a TV station from London because he went there to attend Queen Elizabeth uh, II's funeral. And he said that if he is not the one pulling off a first-round landslide, so completely against what the polls are saying, then it would mean that, quote, something abnormal happened within the electoral courts, the institutions, the authority that oversee the election. Um, how do you interpret these conflicting statements, this sort of, is he trying to disorientate uh, people who are covering it? Or, I mean, how, how do you see it? I don't see them as conflicting statements at all. I think he basically, the way he's framing it is, I will you know, accept defeat if it is clean and legitimate. I think like, you know, underlining his statement that people made so much of, right? It's like, oh, now he said that he's, he's going to accept defeat. I think very clearly, I think he was, uh, 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 I mean, that caveat is, it was, was, you know, blinking red in the background, right? So I think there's no, uh, 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 you know, double step going on here. I think he's very much, uh, 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 you know, committed, I would say, to to the position that he will not accept defeat uh, uh, because any defeat uh, uh, he will interpret as evidence of a rigged election, right? Uh, uh, and that is, I think, what's going to happen. So I, I see no no backtracking there. I He's think still that was, on message. <laughs> exactly. I think it was he was still on message, but. You know, maybe he, he, was, he was trying to, you know, pull a trick uh, uh, and, and, you know, wink, wink his way uh, uh, around that. And, and you know, uh, the famous, uh, uh, you know, 
moderation that people keep uh, hoping for almost uh, uh, from him. But but it's not going to happen because I think he's he has way too much uh, kind of riding on it, uh, a lot more than a, a normal politician would. And, you know, I think his strategy very clearly is to to sow doubt, to to, you know, uh, contest any loss, and he's going to try to 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 get, you know, bargaining power from the chaotic situation that I think he he intends to 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 fire up basically uh, upon losing the election. So I think that's he's been very consistent in that, and and I definitely expect him. I would be surprised if he just says, "Yeah, I lost. That's it. Uh, going home." And like uh, shows up on January first to 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 embrace Lula as the uh, as his successor. I think that would be extremely surprising. I would say. Now I want to expand on that, uh, but just before that, I just want to uh, ask something about the people who are watching this on YouTube. Uh, please subscribe to our channel, uh, or even better, subscribe to the Brazilian Report. We are subscription based. Uh, news outlet. We are completely independent, and everything we do is fun is funded by the money that comes from our subscribers. And if you are already subscribed, then you can support us on Buy Me a Coffee. is a sort of membership program where you can get exclusive content, uh, newsletters, uh, behind the scenes content. You will see how we produce the content, the journalism we do. Uh, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report and you have different subscription tiers or you can support us from time to time whenever you can and you want. Now, Felipe, um, to expand about this, you're saying that you would be extremely surprised if Bolsonaro uh, uh, gracefully accepts defeat if the polls are confirmed. Now, we had the Brazilian Report we published back in March uh, of last year about the risks that some political brokers in Brasilia see that Bolsonaro could try to, quote-unquote, barricade himself in office, even if he loses. Now, you recently raised on Twitter an interesting question, and it's why I wanted to, to invite you to talk to us now, that uh, maybe Bolsonaro could literally, physically try to do that, stay in the presidential palace, um, even if after he term expires because he would not accept defeat, um, claiming that the election was stolen. Now, what happens if it comes to it? I mean, who is going to evict the president when his housing contract, so to speak, comes to, to term? Yeah, I mean, that was precisely the question that I was raising because um, I haven't seen a lot of at least open discussion uh, about that, and uh, and I think that's something that the 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 so-called institutions in Brazil, right, the 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 the, the political establishment uh, in Congress and Supreme Court uh, and sort of all the 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 key political players in Brazil should be, and I hope they are, uh, uh, planning for right now. My concern is that people might still at this point, I think, against all evidence of uh, what Bolsonaro is capable of, people might still be, ah, he's not going to do that, will he? Like, that's that's impossible because, like, he's not going to have support for that. And that, I think, is, is a misconception because 
once something like that is underway, which it is, I mean, he is clearly setting the stage for that. It's not just a matter of supporting or not supporting. It's a matter of stopping it. Mm-hmm. So that was a question that I was raised. So like, who is going to go there and physically get him out if he just yeah. refuses to go? Especially right? because I, if I may interrupt you, uh, if, when and if a seditious movement is launched like at full scale, you, you cannot stop it with uh, statements of condemnation as we exactly. have seen, which has exactly. been the, the only way that uh, the political establishment has reacted to Bolsonaro so far. Exactly. So that is that is precisely the, the 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 gist of my question, right? Which is, you know, it's it's no longer enough at that point to say, oh, we're horrified, we don't support this, right? Someone actually has to do something. And that's where I think the 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 risks really lie, right? Because it seems it seems to me up to this point that nobody wants to be in charge of doing something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to what extent can we trust, let's say, the security forces to do something like that? I've heard uh, and sort of in this Twitter dialogue, oh, we have been talking about the federal police. Well, that's fair enough. I'm, I'm sure some some people in the federal police would love to like kick him out and you know uh, drag him to jail. But some others wouldn't, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of what he's done uh, over the last few years is is to really try to 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 to, to kind of increase his support in these uh, uh, institutions. So will the military do that, right? Because this is going to create uh, uh, fission in the military. And I think one thing that the military abhors above pretty much all else is internal division, right? Mm-hmm. So will the so-called uh, legalistic uh, members of the armed forces, right? The the ones that uh, uh, are out there giving quotes to journalists, always in the background, right? Uh, about you know the armed forces not embarking uh, on an adventure or or whatever they uh, uh, they say. Will they actually send troops to get him out? And what if other troops maybe don't want uh, 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 that to happen? I I think that's where a lot of bad scenarios can arise precisely because it's 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 not clear who will be in charge and how this would be in practice executed right so i think that's where the risks lie now at some point if he loses the election he will leave right i i see very uh, 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 a, a very small negligible risk that Bolsonaro would lose the election and manage to stay in power himself. Mm-hmm. I think he just doesn't have the support for that. But in the meantime, there could be a lot of chaos as a result of that attempt, right? And a lot of weird solutions, I think, will be uh, 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 or w- could well be, uh, 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 you know, tried or 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 at least you know trial balloons would would uh, uh, start going up in the air there in ways that might actually really uh, subvert the regular democratic process right so i think like what i'd say you know at some point 
some people say, look, we need to, there, there's a lot of uh, 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 polarization and we need to come up with a consensual solution. And I'm sure, you know, Jomar Mendes and Arthur Lier are going to be involved in, in drawing some, some solution there where we say, oh, we need to have, you know, some sort of semi-presidentialism or, or I mean, I don't know what the specific scenario is. Which is the silver be. bullet, right? Every time we have exactly, a right? so, in Brazil. Exactly, right? There is there, there is history of that, yeah. exactly right. Like if you go all the way back to 1961, right? You know, like we're not in 1961 anymore, but you know, we're we're like a like a parliamentary system was was introduced in order to to get out of a stalemate where where the the military was against the you know the vice president was supposed to 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 uh, uh, replace the the president that had resigned. Anyway, I think that type of conversation could very well uh, uh, emerge at that point. So I think all the, the, the institutional players, you know, Lula, uh, uh, first and foremost, should be mapping out uh, what happens at that point. And, and I, I truly hope they are mapping that out because I think it's a, it's a really live possibility. Now, you're talking about the military, and uh, one question that I have is, uh, I've seen two interpretations about what the military is doing right now. Because like you said, they are giving all these quotes about defending democracy always off the record. On the record, they are actually catering to Bolsonaro's whims about uh, challenging the security of voting machines, uh, the, the army, which has absolutely no constitution responsibility over elections, is trying to present itself as a sort of guarantor of uh, election security. Uh, now, the two interpretations that I hear, one is, okay, yes, they would go with Bolsonaro and cross the Rubicon with him, or uh, the other one, which me personally, I uh, agree more, which is, they want to stay in that ambiguous uh, region in order to have everyone on their heels and uh, protect themselves, their privileges from being attacked by anyone else in the political establishment because they're always showing everyone that they have the cool card in, on their deck. So don't try to uh, tamper with our... Uh, incredible pension system, healthcare system, big salaries, uh, because it would have consequences uh, in terms of the the well functioning of democracy. Do you uh, do, uh, do you find a third interpretation, or do you agree with one of these two? Uh, I think I think your second interpretation, right, where they're where they're trying to to keep the situation uh, uh, ambiguous and, and, and sort of highlight the, the, the threat at some level, but without kind of ever sort of speaking uh, openly about it, right? I think that's, that's, that's very much true and in the interest of, of, of you know, enhancing their, their bargaining power, right? I think that's, that's very much what they're, what they're trying to do. Uh, you know, if, if I may use some jargon here, you know, uh, it's, it's time for some game theory, as the, as the kids would say. Uh, uh, in, in sort of game theory, jargon, you would say they want to keep that threat off the equilibrium path, right? Which means that's a situation that will not emerge, but could emerge mm -hmm. under some circumstances. And, and everybody knows that it could emerge. And the fact that everybody knows means that people respond 
accordingly. So it affects the way people behave without having to 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 become reality, if you will. So that's how they that's how they want it, and that's how they've been playing it, right? Uh, which I think is profoundly toxic for Brazilian democracy, right? I think Brazilian democracy already is under military tutelage, right? Precisely because that card is there in a way that, you know, until not so long ago, we thought that that card had been taken out of the game, right? It's it's back. Everybody knows it. People behave accordingly, right? You know, you hear all the time about all the key political players talking to the military and having meetings with the military and trying to to gauge what they think and 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 trying to to keep them you know at ease and and whatever that's 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 a a, a democracy that is not healthy right so that's that's and how uh, do we one. change that because we see that not only in Brazil but elsewhere in Latin America remember when absolutely we had a protest in Chile uh, Pineda when he addressed the nation he had generals the, exactly him. so I think you know the military are they they've come out of the box and it's going to be very hard to put them back in. Now, what I would say, though, for the near future, I think that conversation is a very hard one that Brazil and, and other parts of Latin America, for sure, are going to spend many years having to deal with that, right? But in the near future, I think the problem is you may want to keep that card, you know, in your in your deck without playing it, right? You may want to keep that threat off the equilibrium path. But stuff happens, right? Mm -hmm. And miscalculations could happen, particularly if Bolsonaro pushes the situation to a breaking point. So I think people kind of underestimate the risk of a situation arising where no one would actually want to have X happen, but people kind of stumble their way into X, right? I'm always reminded of how some historians have described the the, the lead up to to World War One, right? Yeah, the sleep like, oh no, no European countries. Exactly, uh, right? It's like nobody wanted war, but it's like ah, uh, you know, like you want to threat, you you want to be able to threaten, mm -hmm. you want to, you can't look weak and whatnot and so on. So you might stumble your way into a situation that exante nobody wanted. So I think people keep saying, oh, but nobody wants that, and I think the military don't actually want that. And especially because if you're holding that Joker card to to stay in our analogy, uh, once push comes to shove, if you don't use it, then you lose it, right? Yeah. So I think they 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 would like to keep it uh, right without having to play it. Mm. But I think precisely and 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 you know sometimes I think people maybe underestimate that Bolsonaro really is a wild card. I think in in that sense. So it's like the idea that ah he won't do that. Would he? Like, he very well might. Chances are that he will. And then you're in a situation where, you know, calculations become hard. And I think miscalculations can emerge. And then we can end up in situations that nobody would really want to get in, right? So I think people keep talking about how, oh, it's not going to happen because nobody wants it to happen. But sometimes stuff happens that nobody would have wanted to happen, if you see what I mean. And I think that is the risk. That is the risk, like in the short term, by which I mean the next couple of months, you know, with the election and the aftermath of the election, that things just get out of control, mm -hmm. even though nobody 
would have preferred them to go out of control. But, you know, the risk exists. I think it's 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 not a, I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but I think it could happen. And, and, and people should be. You know, considering that possibility very, very, uh, uh, you know, strongly. And before I let you go, one last question that I want to ask you is we have been talking for months about the possibility of a January 6th uh, scenario in Brazil. Um, do you think that could happen uh, during election day, after election day, or maybe, and this is what me personally I think would be uh, more probable, not one January the 6th event, but uh, violence spreading out occasionally uh, across multiple weeks, because we have two months between the runoff and inauguration day, so uh, not necessarily one event that uh, would be catastrophic, but multiple smaller, small-scale events uh, with charged political violence. Yeah, I think that, that's true. I think it's going to be a very, very long two months. I think that is, you know, Sure, by now. Uh, but I think people need to, I mean, I think there's a risk of a failure of imagination, which I think happened already in 2018, where when people kind of could conceive of Bolsonaro winning pretty much right until the point where he was, you know, set to win, right? And people keep expecting things to, I think, play out in ways that we have seen before, even when it comes to January 6th, right? It's like, oh, will there be an invasion of Congress? I don't think it's going to play out exactly like that because, you know, the institutional differences are, are, are too great in that sense, right? It's not as if Congress is going to have a role in, in yeah. uh, um, we don't have a certifying the election. Exactly. Uh, There's no electoral college meeting or what have you, right? Uh, so it's going to be the different. Is really far. <laughs> yeah, there's that. I mean, I, I have uh, done a lot of work on sort of the, the role of having capital cities that are that are isolated and they offer some sort of insulation against this type of thing. So it's not going to take place in exactly the same way. But I think it could well take place as kind of scattered violence leading to rising tension, maybe something uh, 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 like Bolsonaro just refusing to leave, let's say, the, the Planalto uh, or Alvorada uh, uh, Palace, right? And then creating like a situation around that. Uh, 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 so I think January 6th, uh, Brazilian version will be different. And, and we shouldn't be just kind of uh, uh, trying to, to, to prevent or, or trying to tell ourselves that everything is fine because something exactly like January 6th uh, uh, will not happen because this and the other, right? I think there could very well be sort of this uh, 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 um, widespread, let's say, maybe low-level violence, but just tension and, 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 and scattered uh, 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 turmoil, if you will. But maybe also kind of some big event that might be related to something like Bolsonaro refusing to leave or, you know, whatever, uh, some threats to the safety of, you know, Supreme Court justices and I mean who knows uh, uh, but I think we should definitely not uh, 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 you know constrain our imagination regarding what's possible because you know things are gonna uh, most likely things are gonna happen in in ways that are not exactly like what's happened before because 
that's how things work. If they were exactly the same, then, you know, it would be easy to prevent and then it, it, it wouldn't happen. Uh, uh, but I think um, we should be prepared for, for something, for, for a January 6th uh, type event that is not quite a January 6th type event. It's just, uh, it's, it's just the vibes, you know. Mm. Felipe, thank you very much. Uh, and we'll keep in touch because, like you said, uh, we're going to have very eventful uh, few months from now until uh, the inauguration day of the next president, where it be a second Bolsonaro term or Lula on January the 1st. Uh, Felipe Campanchi, professor at Johns Hopkins University. Thank you very much. Always uh, a pleasure to talk to you. Likewise, always a pleasure. And uh, I'm sure we'll stay in touch about all of that. If you are keen on the Brazilian election, then you should know that we have recently launched a special 2022 election report with everything you need to know about the races for Congress, governorships, and of course, the presidency. And listeners of our podcast get a 20% special discount. Just go to brazilian.report slash subscribe, scroll down to the report section and use the explaining 2022 promo code. And if you like Explaining Brazil, please give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts, because that will help us reach a broader audience. Or better yet, sign up for the Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We have a subscription-based business model, and your subscriptions is what fuel our journalism and keep us going and growing. If you are already a subscriber, then please give us an extra support by filling up our coffee mugs with donations on Buy Me A Coffee. This membership program offers special perks like behind-the-scenes content and exclusive newsletters. Independent journalism is expensive and you can help us fund our operations. Just go to buymeacoffee.com slash brazilianreport. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening. Explaining Brazil will be back next week.